This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello, and welcome or welcome back to Self Work. This is Dr. Margaret, and this is our 309th episode of Self Work. I'm so glad you're here. I know I told y'all last week that I was going to do the 10 things that I'd learned as a therapist, or at least as many of them as I wanted to share, and life got in the way a little bit. So I'm going to present to you today an interview I did with Samantha Skelly, who is an incredible entrepreneur, and she's an author, and she facilitates breathwork training, which is really very interesting. She's going to talk about that a lot. She's the author of Hungry for Happiness, and she says, this book is how I turn my mess into my message, the journey of struggling with emotional eating, exercise addiction, and severe body image issues. So, She started out there, and she has a podcast, and then she started this breath work, which took her all over the world. She has studied with people who are the gurus of it, and she is a firm believer that you can increase your consciousness of what is wrong with you and what is right with you by working on your breath. You may think it's a little dingy, and even she says, if you're reading this thinking, what kind of hippie shit is this, you're not alone. So... Join us for this conversation, and I hope you'll enjoy Samantha Skelly. So before we get started, we're going to hear from BetterHelp about how their program can help you, how it's different, how their therapists are available 24-7 almost, and how you can get in to see a therapist more quickly and more easily than any other way. And of course, it's generally less expensive, and it's very effective. Research has shown that. So listen in to the offer from BetterHelp. The most common problem I hear from those seeking therapy is how hard it is to find a therapist, how long it takes, how vulnerable you feel asking around for names, how far you might have to travel to get to their office. BetterHelp solves those problems. After you make the first contact, their standard is to offer names of therapists to you in less than two days. And you can talk to them in a first session to see if it's a good fit. And if so, you're on your way. But if not, rather than going through an awkward call or email, you simply let BetterHelp know and they'll ask what it was you didn't like and find someone else for you. This very caring process takes so much of the responsibility and the vulnerability out of it for you. Now, that doesn't mean you won't feel vulnerable in actual therapy, but the time and difficulty of finding someone is what they handle for you. And of course, since you can text, chat, or talk virtually, then all of those avenues are open to you. Their counselors are licensed professionals, LPCs, psychologists, social workers, men, women. They have different specialties, just like in your community. And they can focus on what you need where you are in your life. The pandemic forced many counselors to work virtually, myself included. But what I learned is that virtual work feels different, but I also found it very helpful and for some people much easier. So here's their offer for self-work listeners. 10% off your first month of sessions if you use this link, betterhelp.com slash self-work. That's betterhelp.com slash self-work. So sit back and I hope you'll enjoy my interview with Samantha Skelly.
Samantha, I really wanted you on self-work. I think your story is not only motivational, but I think it's also because you have lived it uh, and you talk very specifically and very poignantly about the steps that you have taken uh, with your eating disorders and different other issues that you've had that I think that people can learn from those very steps. And that was very evident in the book. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, my intention there was to really move people with me as I shared the story and, you know, bring them to those bathroom breakdown moments where we feel in a fight with ourselves and a fight with food, feeling defeated. So, yeah, my intent with that book was for people to not feel so alone because I I do remember viscerally the feeling of being alone in it and not knowing how to relate to people around it and just truly having chronic anxiety for, you know, years was debilitating at times. And so it's interesting to be, you know, on the other side of it and knowing the exact steps I took in order to liberate myself from it. It it feels freeing and it feels exciting to be able to serve in that way. Great. So let's talk a little bit about your history with your own growth. You started sharing in the book about how you'd been working out with a trainer named Hannah. And when she opened up about her struggle with her body image and that all of a sudden you thought, wait a minute, maybe I, maybe I'm not alone in this. Mm. There's something really beautiful about sharing stories. You know, um, right now I'm, so with my, with my breathwork company, Pause Breathwork, one of the big things that I'm asking my community to do is share your breathwork story. What's the story of liberation when you found your power, when you found your heart, when you opened up your mind, when you realized that you are a spiritual being having a human experience and you're not just these limitations and, and, and all of that. And so there was a moment with Hannah where there was this this moment of storytelling and, and sharing stories. And I really believe this this life that we're living, this human experience is such a masterpiece and there's a story in every single moment. And that story that we're living has the potential to support someone, liberate someone inspire them, bring them back into a deeper place of freedom. And it's through our humanness, our rawness, our vulnerability that we connect and can can really bring ourselves back into a, a deeper place of self-love through self-work, which is what which is what you're all about. So can you tell us about that moment when she began sharing that? Yeah, there was something that unlocked in me. Mm-hmm. It was as if her story shined the light on the shame that I was holding in my body. And when we bring shame into the light, you know, Brené Brown's work is all about this. It doesn't have the weight. It doesn't have the leverage. It doesn't have the intensity that, that it had when it's stuck in our bodies. And so something that I share with my clients all the time is through the art of storytelling and being vulnerable, can we hold it lightly in our hand rather than heavy in our body? Because when it's heavy in our body and there's that contraction and that collapse in our nervous system, then what the mind does is it just creates more stories and stories and like the the wrong kind of stories, right? Which then add more leverage and more weight to the the intensity that we're feeling in our body. But when we can really learn to to say, hey, this is something that I'm going through. This is a challenge that I have. This is what I'm feeling shameful or guilty for. This is something, this is how I'm treating myself. And and I'm accepting the fact that I'm treating myself this now. But my vision is that I want to land in a place where it feels like this. And when we can really hold the duality of our greatness and our struggle in our palms and just go like, I am not, I am neither of these things. I am, I am the, 
the essence that's actually observing both of these things. And my struggle does not define me. My shame does not define me. My guilt does not define me. All of that stuff. I can actually choose to liberate myself back into wholeness by choosing to love my body, by choosing to use my breath to heal myself. You know, we... We've been given the gift of breath and for so many people, we're not using this incredible ability to calm our nervous system, release our trauma, liberate us back into our wholeness. We're just kind of, you know, suffocating Mm -hmm. and feeling disconnected. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I'm trying to ask you to talk about is the problems you had with eating disorder more specifically at first. I know that you have launched into and been a important advocate for breath work but you, you there's a quote in the book that you say when you can recognize the difference between the sensations you feel and your true self you will find states of freedom that you never knew were possible yeah it's really about understanding the visceral intelligence in our bodies, right? Our bodies are so wise. And so during those years, which I called my diet depression years in the book, where I was on over 50 diets in less than four years, and I would wake up in the morning and my first thought was like how much I hate my body and how I'm going to fight with food that day. My body was asking for something. It wasn't for me to over-exercise for two hours in the gym every day. It wasn't for me to restrict my food. It wasn't for me to overeat. It was for me to come home to myself. Like there is, there is an, um, there was an emotional need there. And because I was so disconnected from my body, I was so disconnected from my intuition. I couldn't discern the difference between an emotional hunger cue and a physical hunger cue. I see. I, I was in denial of my emotional needs. Like I didn't think that I had emotional needs. So I was putting band aids on both. That? That's what, and one of the things I was curious about is you talked about this workshop where you went with Philip McCurry. And, I love and, him. And then he really was very confronted with you to take mm-hmm. off your everything is wonderful mask. But I'm curious about how that mask got put in place in the first place. I was a dancer and I was an actress. And so I was a performer and I received love for what I did. And so I, I had this identity of like, Sam is the comedian. Sam is the funny one. Sam is the life of the parties. And people looked up to me in that way of, of everything's fine with her all the time. Everything's good. Everything's good. And so their energetic projection onto me configured me into this place where I didn't think that I could be anything else other than happy and joyful all the time. Mm -hmm. And so this, everything is awesome mask was my way of protecting myself and showing the world like everything is awesome. When deep down, it wasn't awesome. Deep down, I had these emotional needs. I, I wanted to feel self love. I wanted to feel connection. And so at that retreat in Ireland with Philip McKernan, it was a moment where I'm like, there's more to life than pretending you're happy. There's more to life than pretending everything is awesome all the time. And what kind of difference has that made in your life? Oh my gosh. It's given me grace. Grace for the duality of being human, knowing that when I wake up and I feel anxious or sad or overwhelmed, that there's an adult part of me that can come online that can say, I love you anyways. Everything is going to be okay. You are lovable. It is amazing. Take care of yourself. And so it, it like that permissions this grace for me to be exactly where I'm at without needing to change it, mm-hmm. without needing it to be anything different. And for the four years that I was struggling with food in my body, 
there was no grace. There was no acceptance. There was no self-love. It was all me running away from me at war with the parts of myself that I didn't want to address. Mm -hmm. And so this whole journey is this homecoming of how can I fearlessly love the parts of me that I've been at war with? How can I come home to those childhood parts and let them know that they are loved and they are cared for? Those very malleable, impressionable years where our systems needed something for them to develop. And if they didn't get the acknowledgement, the validation, the love, the connection that was required for that developmental stage, then what happens is our system becomes frozen in time and it's an undernourished part. And so if we don't acknowledge that we have all of these undernourished, frozen in time parts of ourselves, actually one of my mentors, Janine Roth, she, she says this perfectly. It's, it's frozen in time. They freeze in the age that they didn't get their needs met. And so I always say there's no such thing as adults. We're all just grown up children because we have all of these and we don't just have one inner child. We have a preschool of different inner children that all have different needs and and different wants and different desires. And so for somebody who struggles with their body and struggles with food, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to outsource that emotional need. So can you be more specific about what you discovered about your own frozen parts? There was a part of me that desired connection. And so rather than understanding what that part is and how I can meet my need for safety in a sustainable way, mm-hmm. I would turn to food or I would turn to exercise. Exercise made me feel safe. When I was running on the treadmill for two hours straight, I wasn't anxious. I was in a trance. And so for a short amount of time, there was something that I was doing that was meeting my needs. But again, it wasn't sustainable. So when we learn to meet our needs at a core level, at a cellular level, we don't need to go to our survival strategies and all of these mechanisms like avoidance and suppression and numbing and distracting and all of these things that we use in order to quiet down that need. We can actually just meet it at a, at a, at a deep level. And of course, we are human and these things are going to come up all the time. You know, the world is, 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 reflecting to us constantly where we need to grow, right? So what do you mean? Again, I like to give lots of practical suggestions to my listeners. So when you say, you know, you want to deeply meet it, can you make that more tangible? Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about connection, right? Connection is a need that we all have and we crave connection. So practically what this looks like for me is me sitting down, in my meditation chair, closing my eyes and actually feeling that part of me that desires connection. And, and rather than my mind going, okay, well, I need connection. How can I get it mm-hmm. externally through my partner, through my friends, through whatever? Mm-hmm. I go, how can I let my awareness actually just meet this part of me? And so I close my eyes and I begin to feel this part of me inside, inside my body, that needs connection. And that might show up as anxiety in your throat, in your chest, in your solar plexus. Like that might show up as anxiety. But when we sit with ourselves for long enough to reconnect into our bodies and we do that over time, that part of us is going to begin to get its needs met. As you were talking, I was thinking about DBT's wise mind, for example. I was thinking about 
the the idea of uh, in EMDR that when you are reorganizing trauma memories and and pulling them together, first safety has to be found and built and created. You're saying, you know, it's all a meditative kind of thing. You say in the book, instead of I am anxious or something like that, which is I've heard, you know, we talk about that. I am feeling anxious or I am. Mm-hmm. I am depressed versus I'm feeling depressed or disorganized or or whatever mm-hmm. the feeling is. And so you're sort of saying if you go inward that that can lead the way to you understanding and unfolding all of the layers of those needs that are that you're trying to find and to connect with. Is that That's right. right. That's right. So it's the difference between the top down approach and the bottom up approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I just named there was a bottom up approach. It's a somatic body based healing technique versus mindset shift in order to shift the body. Mm -hmm. So much of my work is somatic healing. How can we start in the body first Mm -hmm. so that the mind shifts over time because the beliefs in the body are so powerful, right? It's like the, I use the example a lot when we do a lot of mindset work, but we don't touch the body. Say we do a lot of affirmations. There might be a little shift in behavior or a shift in belief, but if we're not working on the somatic level, the mind is going to go back to what the body believes. Right. Bessel van der Kolk makes that point extremely Mm-hmm. adamantly <laughs> mm-hmm. so talk about your breath work i mean i know that's sort of where your where your passion is or it seems like that's where your passion is mm. more recently breath work was the very thing that helped me heal my eating disorder mm-hmm. i was in bali and it was during those diet depression years where i was i read elizabeth gilbert's eat pray love mm-hmm. and i was like okay I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to go to Bali and figure this out. And so I, I went to have a session with the man from the book, the, the, the man that, he, that she recommends. And I remember him just tapping me on the head after the session. And he just said, like, you got to go meditate. Like, your brain's broken. You got to go meditate. You think too much. And at that time in my life, meditation was very challenging for me because I wasn't in my body. I had racing thoughts. I was very disconnected from my, just what my body needed. As we spoke about, I was very disconnected from my emotional needs. And so after that session with him, I went to a place called the yoga barn and I was like, okay, well maybe meditation's different in Bali. Let's figure this out. I don't know. <laughs> and I found breath work or, or better said breath work found me. And after that first session of breathwork that I did three hours long, I, I woke up from the experience and I thought, I have never felt this before. Like I've never felt this level of self-love. I, my mind has never been this clear for as long as I can remember. My heart has never been this open. And it was in that moment, I was really clear the difference between what does my body actually need? And what is my mind trying to tell me I need to do? Mm-hmm. And so there was this very clear distinction between the narrative of my mind trying to drive me into deeper states of anxiety and disconnection and the desire of my body, which the desire of my body was to come back home, to feel my emotions, to open my heart, to come back in. And so I became a student of breathwork for 
about seven or eight years. I had no intention mm-hmm. of really teaching it, but I, I just, I studied with every pioneer in the industry at the time. And I just became obsessed with healing myself through the power of breathwork and, and really realizing like, wow, I was externalizing an internal issue by using food as a drug. And so again, let's be very clear. What do you mean by breathwork? I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, mm-hmm. listeners are going, I don't have, you know, one, I don't have the money to go to Bali Two, I'm not sure where I'm going to find three hours. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, what do you mean by breath work? So when I saw breath work on the community board at the yoga studio, the first thing that went through my mind was I've been breathing for 20 years. You know, this was, (laughs) this was 14 years ago, right? I was like, I've been breathing for 20 years. I, what are you talking about? You're going to teach me to breathe. Was this some sort of weird crap they have in Bali? But I believed in divine timing. And so I went up to that class and I realized that, we can breathe to survive and we can breathe to thrive. And when we learn to breathe to thrive, what that is, is conscious, continual breath work, which can sound like this. Over and over and over again. You don't need three hours. You need three minutes. Truly. Mm-hmm. You need three minutes. And when we take the time out of the matrix and out of our emotional addiction to our reality and we close our eyes, we sit in a chair and we breathe just like that for three minutes, we release the mind, we calm down the part of us that is always trying to get ahead and search, search, search. Mm -hmm. We drop into our hearts, we drop into our bodies and we change our perspective of life. You'll know it when you do it. Okay. Because it's not something I need to convince people of. It is a direct experience. It's a transformational experience. It's not something that we learn and then we figure out how it works. It's an experience of the work, which is very different. In my audience, best experience your work. How how might that happen? So we have, do you want to do like a minute right now? Sure. Okay. All right. So if you are listening to this and you are driving... You can do it later. But if you are at home and you are in a safe, grounded place, then this would be beautiful. So taking a moment and closing your eyes and dropping your shoulders. The breath pattern that we're going to do is called the tri-active breath. So the breath is into the belly first, up into the chest second, out through the mouth third. So it sounds like this. So together, we're going to do that for about 60 seconds or so. And then we're going to take a deep breath in through the nose. We're going to hold at the top and then we're going to release. So when you're ready, let's begin.
Now taking a deep breath in through the nose. Holding at the top. Letting the energy settle. Letting the mind clear. Letting the body relax. And when you're ready, releasing the breath, coming back into the body. And just noticing how you feel. Noticing that there's a different energy, a different frequency. And coming back, opening up your eyes. So a minute, like just to name my experience, I'm like, feels brighter. I feel more in my heart. My mind feels very clear. Mm -hmm. And so that's a minute. Three minutes is powerful. So, so to name it tangibly, I'll do that practice in the morning, every morning for about five to 10 minutes to clear my dreamland energy and come and like really clear the slate. I'll do it in the evening for about five to 10 minutes Mm -hmm. before just to release the day and get into bed and just let go of everything that I'm holding on to. Sure. And then I'll, I'll do it in between meetings, like one to three minutes. Right. So my previous meeting, I was more in my head and spreadsheets as I'm, um, as I, as it was. And when I'm on podcast, it's more of a embodied experience. So I'm not really in my head. I'm more in my body. So shifting, shifting with, with, with each different event is a powerful way of just clearing out energy and getting back to this place of emptiness. And for those people listening, we do have an app. Um, a breathwork app called the pause breathwork app and there's tracks anywhere from three minutes to 45 minutes so if you're feeling like you want guidance as you explore breathwork you can definitely check out the free trial there that's wonderful and your book is called hungry for happiness mm-hmm. i told you before we started i i read it when i had covid and i had to go back and look at it again because i had sort of a, a scattered view of what it was but it was you have a very personal way of writing a very evocative way of describing things and so it was a pleasure to read true pleasure. Mm, thank you what are the three messages that you think you want to stress most to self-work listeners as far as whether it's you your relationship with your body, whether it's with the breath, what, what do you want to say? Mm. Number one, you are the conscious creator of your life. We underestimate our power by so much. We have the ability to direct our mind, focus on what we desire, be an embodiment of what we desire and really truly pull things to us. Like we are so, we are so powerful beyond belief. Mm. Mm. The second thing, the most powerful relationship we can come home to is the one with ourselves. And so, journal today and ask yourself, what are the parts of me I've not yet accepted? Maybe it's how you show up in relationships. Maybe it's your relationship with money. Maybe it's how you treat your colleagues or employees. What are, what are the, what are the, the things that you've swept under the rug that you want to bring light to in order to actually heal mm-hmm. and see them for what they are? Like that moment in the park with Hannah, where we had that moment of sharing what's real And then the third thing is you are the drug. (laughs) You have the ability to heal your body through your breath, through your awareness. Mm -hmm. And again, just we are we are powerful beyond beyond measure. Well, thank you so much. I know that you you speak to many, many people with your work and your your life story and then your breath work. So we're very honored here at Self Work that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. 
Thanks for being here today. I'm going to tell you a little bit more in the next couple of episodes what's going on with me that's thrown me a bit of a curve. But we're on this journey together. I now know you'll be understanding of what I need to do to take care of myself. And I'll be back next week with a new episode of Self Work. You can email me at AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com. You can join my Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash self work. And you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or come to DrMargaretRutherford.com and subscribe there and you'll get a weekly newsletter. Again, thank you. You have my gratitude for being here. Please take very good care of you, your loved ones, and your community. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.